Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where two guys chat about trailers, movies, TV shows, and anything else entertainment related. In today's episode, we'll be sharing our thoughts on Warner Brothers' 2021 adaptation of Dune, starring Timothy Chalamet, and to a lesser extent, Zendaya. Um, <laughs> my name is Ivan, and I'm joined today by my co-host and Frankenstein's monsters lookalike, Emmett. name is frankenstein <laughs> you know for so long i actually i did think frankenstein every time i'd see the monster and then once i read the book it had to be explained to me that like <laughs> no that's frankenstein's a doctor well i thought we could uh you know throw some tribute out to uh gene wilder we talked about him so much and uh in a previous episode and also with timothy chalamet too so it's you know full circle how appropriate we're right around the corner from halloween at least in the we time are. of recording what's uh what's your favorite halloween candy Ooh, um without we're talking a doubt, fun size obviously fun size okay uh honestly probably i guess snickers that hasn't really changed right like that mm. yeah it, yeah it would probably be snickers okay how about you I don't know. It's a tough one. I think it used to be Snickers, but now I kind of, uh, I kind of think I like the Milky Way bar, which is basically a Snickers but without the gram and the peanuts. Milky Way bar, yeah, mm, that does sound pretty good. Yeah, excuse us while we go get some candy. But back when we were working together, I think my second year on that job, I got a Snickers cake from from the team. I think that was the I, first time I ever even heard there was such a thing. I feel like I blocked that out because that's something I would remember. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious, though. It it was. It was. I really should try it again. I should try it again before I inevitably get diabetes type 2. Well, that might be the thing that sets you over. You know what? It'd be worth it. Oh, yeah. It. I didn't say that was a bad thing. I'll tell my doctor. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know my A1C level isn't good, doc. But you got to understand. It was a cake. It was Snickers. It was on TikTok. I had to. I had to. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I had to do it for the likes. (laughs) Uh, So what do we have uh, before we get into Dune? Any big news coming out of the week? Well, Eternals is right around the corner. I think as of the time of recording, we're about a week away from the release date. Yeah. But it's been showing up in, I think, about two weeks ago or so. Disney lifted the review embargo. Uh, which for anybody unfamiliar with that means, it basically means that any critic who has seen the movie at this point is able, is now able to talk about it uh, and give their official review. So we've been starting to get uh, people's thoughts, both professional and the unprofessional um, spiel, I guess, about this movie online. And it's looking kind of mixed bag. <laughs> I'm so surprised. I thought this was going to be like a middle of the road, pretty good movie. You know what? Uh, what kind of makes me a little bit um, cautious of taking some of this because it's it, it, currently it's at 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, by the way, m- makes it 1% worse than Thor The Dark World. <laughs> I saw Tomatoes, that comparison. Which That's I know bad. two people who, that have seen the movie. Um 
And one of them thought it was a decent movie. The other one thought it's the best thing coming out of the MCU. And so what it's kind of ringing me and kind of bringing me back to, man, and I'm, it gets me concerned. Don't say it, it. It brings me back to Last Jedi. No. <laughs> Can't we have one episode where we don't have to talk about Last Jedi? <laughs> no, if you didn't make that point, I was going to. Um, I agree. I think this might be a critic versus fan score differential. Uh, one of those times where Rotten Tomatoes is like totally off from what the fans think i i did curiosity kind of got the best of me and so I, I did read some of the negative reviews on it they don't spoil anything but the, a lot of them were saying the same thing and they said it doesn't follow the marvel formula and it doesn't feel like a marvel movie and i feel like that's not enough criticism for me like you get what i mean like okay it doesn't feel like a marvel movie it doesn't follow the marvel formula but what then you do don't you have to grade it on a marvel scale you can just grade mm-hmm. it on a movie scale well, that's what I'm kind of um, I'm kind of hopeful that that's what people are kind of taking away from this is like, oh, it's it's definitely not. It doesn't seem like a Marvel movie, so it has to be a bad Marvel movie. Uh, but a bad, a good or bad movie. Right. Right. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I hope that it's good. I have my premiere uh, day tickets. Um, premiere day tickets is probably not the opening day tickets. There you go. I like uh, it's a right? national holiday. <laughs> make it eternals weekend and of course naturally with um some of the more negative press comes like a wave of twitter trolls with uh oh my god yeah talking about how this movie is bad because of the diversity because of the lgbtq plus representation because keep your politics out of my movies kind of thing and i'm like like 90 percent of you haven't seen it (laughs) like why are you talking yeah people just want their voice to be heard regardless of what their point is and it's just wait until you see the movie and then continue holding on to your bad opinion to yourself. Yeah. Or <laughs> like what I'm about to do with Dune. <laughs> I honestly like I'm I'm still looking forward to it. I think uh, it visually looks different from from Marvel. And if it's true, because everybody, even the folks that are saying this is a good movie are saying that it breaks the Marvel formula. I've kind of wanted to see that for a bit, you know, it um, has gotten stagnant to be like the same character arc building of every single marvel movie it becomes too predictable so maybe this is what we need for phase four yeah and i you know we've talked about it for for so long either way but like i think both of our most anticipated phase four film is still to come um so for me it's like i'm looking for something different i really don't have any expectations for eternals so yeah ant-man baloo movie <laughs> what is the title of that quantumania is that what that's supposed to say i guess it is i don't really know what language or like symbols or whatever that is but that 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 logo is weird. did you see the meme that it was uh whatever uh the blue guy was saying in guardians of the galaxy one when he was like trying to uh talk to that dealer oh <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that, but I, I did see a lot of people riffing on, on, on the title. It It's definitely strange, though. Like, Yeah, the font choice is a little weird. Uh, no, I agree. I, this isn't my highly anticipated one. I think I'm just more curious about like what they're doing in the trailer. But when I watch that trailer, whatever their like main theme song is, that thing gets me hyped up. I'm excited just for that. The, the composition and everything looks good and sounds good on that movie. My, my one 
my one desire though and the one thing that may make me walk away from that from the movie is if there's not enough Salma Hayek because if there's not enough Salma Hayek I'm getting out of there and for me it's Richard Madden I feel like we got robbed of him in Game of Thrones we got robbed <laughs> of Rob Stark <laughs> spoiler alert if you haven't seen Game of Thrones they better share a scene together too uh, him and Kit Harrington. At his wedding, it better be, like, all red-themed <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> you better get to keep his head in this movie. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't think I can go back and watch that scene ever again. You know what? I, I you know, Going off topic a little bit, but I never... I That's was what we do. I know, for real. <laughs> um, I was re-watching it um, maybe, maybe a couple nights ago. I don't even remember anymore, but... Um, I just never the red know. wedding or like you're you're rewatching the whole series and i've been rewatching the whole series but i'm up to the red wedding and so i, I was oh. watching the episode after i think mm-hmm. um where and aria gets a glimpse of the wolf head being sued yeah. on i didn't realize that detail was included it's in there brutal <laughs> that, that, that that's that's like horrifying um but if they went any route like the books, it would have gotten even more gruesome than that. But Yeah, it was HBO. There were limits there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait for my rewatch. I'm going to rewatch that before uh, the... What's the show called? The Last Dragon? The House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon, yeah. I can't wait to rewatch before that. I, do, I am getting more excited for that series, too. So, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully it's good. But let's get into Dune, dude. Dune. Dude. <laughs> uh, so it got $40 million opening weekend box office. Not the best we've seen, but for full transparency, that came out with HBO at the same time. And I saw something that said estimated 1.8 million views on HBO for opening weekend, um, which was right in line with Justice League just above it, but way behind Suicide Squad. So one little, I guess, asterisk on that, because from my understanding, those numbers are not exact. Uh, HBO Max doesn't really share their actual like audience uh, trajectory there. I think that's the only that's the amount of viewers that they get through directly from um, from their app, but they don't they don't count like desktop viewers and that kind of thing there, there's some there's an article around going around about how like weird their reporting is mm. so i don't know if that necessarily captures the whole thing do you think it would be more than if they're not counting i think it i think it would be um not to get not to put on like my tinfoil conspiracy hat here but too when, late <laughs> it's already on <laughs> um plot says it was on before we turned on the mics today so <laughs> Um, no, there, there was a, when the Snyder Cut came out, uh, HBO Max servers were, like, basically shut down because of the amount of people tuning in. Right. And then HBO refused to actually release the actual numbers for the Snyder Cut. Um, and part of the reason behind it is because Warner Brothers themselves didn't want that information to go to go out to the public. There's been a big fight between fans and Warner Brothers over the, over the Snyderverse. <laughs> so ever since then, though, apparently HBO Max has kind of been uh, releasing numbers that are kind of skewed. So I don't know. 
Regardless, if, though, if you take this at like as a low end point, that like if everybody went to the movies to see this, like at a very low like ten bucks a ticket, this thing's pulling in almost sixty mil. Yeah, I think it would have done. They well. lose out on so much. They did, and I think they're they're starting to regret that decision to do day and date release. I saw that when they announced that they're going to do a Dune two, Return of the Dune. Uh, <laughs> I saw that they're going to do a delayed release. Yeah, I think they're going back to the 90-day window next year. Probably. I'm not entirely sure. Right now, it's it, they're looking at the 45-day window, but I don't think even that's going to stick around that long. I'm just surprised. Like, I feel like they had enough time to pivot to do that. Seeing the success of like Venom and Shang-Chi and all those other... Uh, late summer early fall movies i don't think they had to stay committed unless it was like in their contract and that's something i don't know about well that's what kind of separates warner brothers and hbo from the rest of the group because at no point did disney pay out their stars to say hey we're gonna release this movie on on streaming uh, but HBO did when they said they were gonna do a date and date release they paid off everybody as if they would have earned a certain amount at the box office so they had already shelled the money out for it they weren't going to backtrack on that because i guess at that point it was too late that makes less sense to me (laughs) (laughs) you gotta go get grab the money and you're you're intentionally missing out on it well it's like um i could probably uh, wonder woman is probably the best example to to go off of they they paid patty jenkins the director and they paid gal gadot what what they would have paid them if the, if Wonder Woman had released at, in theaters exclusively and had earned a billion dollars. Um, and that was their expectation based off of the first Wonder Woman's uh, box office intake. So, be, and they did that so that they weren't going to get sued like Disney was sued by uh, ScarJo. Um, but they did that for all their movies that they were going to release same date. So at that point, they had already taken the loss on the money it just didn't make sense to them backtrack and then have to pay their their stars even more because at at this point anything they earn at the box office is all theirs it doesn't go to talent it still doesn't make any sense but (laughs) i know i was just saying that to make you feel like you explained that well which i think you did so if you're the listener out there and that made sense you're smarter than me (laughs) (laughs) all right last data point this got a this is one of those split scores, so eighty-three on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the audience score got a ninety-one percent. Where do you fall on that scale? Ooh. Do we want to get into that ASAP? Yeah, let's do that now. <laughs> okay. Um honestly, for me, um I think this movie is a solid eighty, eighty-two percent. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a really, really great movie. Uh, on the basis of like it's a good adaptation of Dune, I have two very big problems with it that kind of make me almost rethink my position on it. But I, I have mostly positive things to say about this movie. Okay, eighty two's right in there. Um, I agree. I think I'm probably just a little bit below uh, the critics, and I probably would go with like a seventy eight. Um, Although I didn't come into this movie with like high expectations, and that's good because I walked out of it 
with low <laughs> uh, low results on the end of it. So I didn't go in overhyped, but I know some people did, and I'm surprised when I hear them say that they uh, it lived up to that hype. So I'm really surprised to see a 91% audience score. Yeah, Dune is one of those stories that's a little bit, um, you know, it, it, it's old for sure, but it's also a... It's it, it's it's almost like a Star Wars before Star Wars kind of tale. I, I was going to say, this beats Star Wars to market like in book form, but just because you're first doesn't mean you're better. So, like, I don't know. You've had plenty of time to learn and adjust, and you don't have to do an exact book translation onto movie if you want it to work. I think that's probably just, like, where this kind of fail, fell apart. Yeah, I agree. It, and it's also... I feel like the amount of people that are kind of praising this movie, I feel like it's mostly because it's their first kind of experience into this kind of scale of a story. There's definitely issues with it, and we can get into that in a little bit, but um, I do feel like overall, though, I, I have to strongly say that if you have the ability to see this in theaters, it's visually worth it. Um. That being said, I wouldn't blame anybody who wants to sit at home and watch it on a sizable screen. That's what I did. <laughs> I uh, saw it in an IMAX screening, and it looked beautiful. I bet that would be great, yeah. And I think that is probably where, like, you, like this movie needs everything you can give it. So, like, if you can give it a big screen with rumbling sound and comfortable seats and, you know, popcorn and candy and whatnot, like, it's going to make your experience of it probably better than just watching it on your couch and probably trying not to fall asleep like some of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's his voice. It's Timothy Chalamet's voice. It just lulls me. Yeah. Um, so let's you know, do a spoiler-free uh, before we get into details. So um, you want to kick that off? Yeah. I think... Um, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think they finally, they finally did Mephisto justice. <laughs> <laughs> you and your Mephisto jokes. I'm gonna put my Mephisto in your face, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, I I feel like this movie feels almost like a half hour too long, and yet a half hour too short. <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> what I was like thinking. Yeah. Um. For me, for me though, like I think Timothy Chalamet pulls it off well for the character that he's supposed to portray. Um, I think I think Zendaya is amazing for the full two minutes that she's on screen. Uh, <laughs> but the casting was done really well. The visuals were amazing. To me, the story flows really well. And anybody familiar with the book, um, well, well, the multiple books, but I've only read the first three or so books. Um, this is a story that's very like politically heavy um, and kind of like a cynical Star Wars. And to me, it does ring true in this movie adaptation. This is probably the best adaptation of Dune I've seen so far, uh, including the really weird CG'd um, series from the early 2000s with James McAvoy. Uh, it even beats that, <laughs> which apparently was at the high front of everybody's list. I don't even know what one that is. You've never seen the one where they I think both... you're thinking of Vin Diesel and you're thinking of Chronicles of Riddick. 
No, I'm pretty sure it was James <laughs> McAvoy. <laughs> Chronicles of Riddick, though, is a, is a, is a definite um, good alternative to... This was like who... a bigger budget Chronicles of Riddick <laughs> to me. With that pace? I No. Yeah, more more got done in Chronicles of Riddick. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off though. Any other thoughts? No, I you know the cast was really well. Um, Jason Momoa played a bigger role than I thought he was going to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know who surprised me the most though out of this cast? Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Well, yes. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> he pulled it off really well, and like I, I don't I don't know what it is, but like now I'm excited about this uh, Moon Knight series that's coming out that he's starring in. So. Yeah, I do like I'm liking him more as an actor. Um, he he really was. I mean, this is kind of a similar role role to Poe, but uh, I I think he's he's really good in this role. Uh, I think the whole cast was. Um, but yeah, for my thoughts, I think that, and this is coming from a guy who didn't read the books and didn't watch like the original '80s movies, so I don't have any sort of um, nostalgic connection to it. But like you said it perfectly. It was like a half hour too short, but also a half hour too long. Um, like it's two and a half hours of runtime, and I feel like we didn't accomplish that much. We just made it across the desert, sort of, uh, which they really ended up doing in one scene. It was just like tug of war between like being too slow and then being way too quick, and they never really like explained themselves. So coming at it from a perspective of somebody who doesn't know all the names or doesn't know about these like prophecies and whatnot. I, I want those kind of explained a bit. Um, Cause it's really tough for a, a casual viewer to, you know, connect to it. And then, I mean, I, this is probably on me and I should have known this beforehand, but I didn't know they were going to do like, is there a part two coming? So then they just end it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, what happened here? So those are the negatives. That being said though, I did love the cast. I thought they had really good, uh, suspense buildup, uh, both through the acting, but then also through like the musical scores. Those were all great. Um, and I thought like the the like politics of the plot were good. I enjoyed that. So all in all, like I said, I'm giving it like a high C plus. I don't know if I'm gonna rewatch it, but I'll probably watch the second one. I have a feeling that once we have the second one and you sit down to binge both of them together, it would probably be make for a much better experience. Yeah, but to me, this is kind of like Maze Runner type level where it's like, yeah. just because it's a cliffhanger, that's the only thing kind of keeping me in where like I would want to see what happens next. Well, here's the other thing, too. Um and I don't, do we want to get into spoilers already, or should we? Yeah, that's a good enough. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you want to, and you don't want the spoilers, get out. Enjoy Run. your weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into specific scenes, characters, um, anything spoily. So go ahead. This movie, I guess the best way to kind of describe the frustration behind it is if you this is like watching the fellowship of the ring if the fellowship of the ring ended right as the urukai are about to attack in the forest at the end yeah exactly it, it's the most awkward place to end things in but and i fellowship of the ring is my favorite 
that movie does go on a little too long. <laughs> it's like they should have <laughs> saved some time in some of the earlier bits. Well, Fellowship bleeds into two towers, book-wise. I mean, um, but this feels like, and and this is, no, it's not that it feels like it is, that this goes about maybe three quarters of the way into book one and then ends. Okay. And I don't, but here's the thing, and this is a, this is my one stance for defending this movie. I don't think they could have done it any other way without making it seem way too long. Because yes, the back half of the story is much better than the first half. The first half did an excellent job of establishing these characters, establishing the world, kind of feeding you all the things you need to know. But well, I that's disagree all it with is. that. It doesn't. Like, I don't know anything about these. Like, I don't know who the emperor is. We never see him. We never hear him talking. I don't well, know anything about these, like, witches who, <laughs> like, are talking about some prophecy that apparently everybody knows except for Paul. Um, like, I kind of want a little bit of that explained and, like, really dumbed down for the person who doesn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I guess it... Yeah, I really have to separate my perspective then to like to account for like the casual viewer because I feel like the story is so kind of ingrained in me only because I, I you know I read the book like about twice, which so is totally years. fine that it works for like the the real fan because it's like it's just like watching like Loki or something like that like it, you appreciate it so much more when you have a connection to it but how like if you're the studio, you should also be trying to reach out to people who wouldn't understand it. Right. Yeah, I guess it, it does kind of fall short in explaining things. I feel like it sets things up well, but it doesn't quite go into like, you need a little bit of handholding when you get tossed into this world, right? Because it's kind of like Lord of the Rings also. It's a whole nother universe. Like I can't be expect like you can't show me Star Wars and be like, you understand what Hoth is, right? Like, no, I haven't seen any of those movies. Like, <laughs> well, I, th I to be fair, I feel like Star Wars, the first movie, starts out explaining everything a lot clearer than this. Because that's what kinda... I'm saying. But like, if you were like, if you were before Hoth, like, you wouldn't know what that planet is. Right. And then they explain themselves. Like, if you're going to introduce a world, you have to introduce like the science and the elements behind it. Yeah. And I think the way that the spice works is kind of confusing for people too. Like, if you inhale it, you can see elements of the future. If you, it, but you it's both a drug it to... and a fuel. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Like marijuana. Oh, okay. <laughs> or so I've heard. <laughs> I was gonna say bath salts, but sure. Bat, yeah, bath salts too. <laughs> Although bath salts, according to Florida, can actually turn you into a zombie. So. That hasn't been any of my research to show that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I th there's there's elements of this movie that I feel like yeah, I, I think you're right. Like the, the, we we do see we do need to see more of it. Um. That being said, I feel like the story beats are pretty solid in this film. Um, you know, you get. This is kind of like a mix of taking fantasy, political thriller, and all that, and kind of mixing it up and and creating a giant smoothie out of it. But there's just something that feels like outweighs the rest of the ingredients, and I, I still am trying to like wrap my head around what it is that. It's the kale. <laughs> you can blend it up, but you can't cover it up. It's, it's always the kale. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I do think though, and to contradict myself, 
I think the opening to the movie did set up a good history of the world, whoever was narrating that, uh, about, God, I don't know any of these names, Arrakis or Zarakis or, I don't know, whatever the desert it is planet Arrakis. is. <laughs> yeah, you were right, you were right. <laughs> they're, they're all the same name. Um, the desert planet, whoever was narrating that, the history of that place, they did a good job. But then once you start going into the action, then it felt a little too quick uh, comparative to what we just got. So one of the things, though, that I think for me, I was seeing a lot of people kind of like gripe into is this uh, comparisons to Star Wars, like constantly. Did did you see any parallels that kind of because obviously there's stuff like the desert planet and that kind of thing. But there's a lot. And I, I can understand people being upset about that. I'm willing to look past it because it was written before Star Wars. So <laughs> for the sake of Star Wars, I will just drop the argument. But it is that's what I'm saying before, where it's like just because you were first doesn't mean you did it better or were better known for it. So a lot of people are going to like credit Star Wars to like these types of plot lines where you can intertwine fantasy with political thr- thriller, like you said. Even though this one did it first, yeah, Star Wars is like the apple of the right sci-fi fantasy genre. And then Microsoft is Dune. You just don't want it, but every work office has it. I was gonna say that like that Dune is kind of like BlackBerry. You know, like technically you oh. were the first smartphone, <laughs> and you were very practical, but <laughs> right, not quite as user friendly. Yeah, so for that sake, I will. I am willing to drop that argument, but it is kind of difficult to look o- look away from those similarities. Visually, though, and I do want to talk about this for, for a little bit, if you don't mind. But like, I, I feel like this movie freeze frame anything, and you can probably like frame every shot of this movie up. Like, it it does feel like. It's going to sound so cliche, but it, it does feel like cinema to me. <laughs> no, I agree. It was um, visually captivating, for sure. And, with, and when you put Timothy Chalamet's voice narrating his life over it, I mean, yeah, that's that's a good recipe there. I just wanted uh, Morgan Freeman to be narrating Timothy Chalamet's voice. Wow, okay. Yeah. Like just dub over Timothy. It's still Timothy Chalamet, but it's uh, it's it's Morgan Freeman talking. Then it's not Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> it's still him, but it's just not. Him. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, th- there's a lot of allusions to the second part of this movie. Uh, a lot of callbacks. Obviously, like you're anticipating what's going to happen for for the back half. Uh, there's even like straight out previews of it. But uh, I think it was very bold of them too say uh or to basically have this movie not greenlight a sequel yet but you know like they they really went into this with uh kind of blindfolded i guess i feel like they always knew they were going to do it but um i don't know what studio isn't just going to make a sequel for sequel sake um I would normally agree, but like given that we we just went through like the COVID crisis and all that, like I don't I don't think studios are as willing to spend on stuff that's more of a risk now uh, than before. 
Oh, please. They, yes, they are. They have more money than King Midas. They just need to keep their name in the press. <laughs> well, on Disney, I would agree. We have a Paul Blart, too. That's the world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Blart 3 is still the best one. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think um, I don't think it was ever really in doubt. Um, can I talk a little bit about Timothy's character, Paul? Yeah. And all his like premonitions and visions. I just the force. Yeah, that's I'm I was channeling Yoda on that one. I just (laughs) feel like they're so slow developing. Like you can't keep seeing the same thing over and over. Like we get it, you see Zendaya, just introduce her. I mean, I I I get why they didn't want to introduce Zendaya right off the bat. I mean, she's she's Zendaya. Like, it's too much to handle. Yeah, exactly. Like, how can you? <laughs> no, but she's was in all the like interviews for this movie. She's at all the press junkets, and she's literally in the last scene of the movie, and that's it. Well, the funny thing is, to anybody who's familiar with the with the story, you know that she plays an important part. But I'm sure then, she'll be in movie two. I, I'm sure. But like, cut her out of the movie poster. She's not in this movie. Javier Bardem was in more scenes than her. Yeah, they they definitely did. And that's the thing. Like, going into the movie, I thought this was legitimately going to adapt the first book outright. And then it turns out you adapted 75% of the book. <laughs> and then just kind of left the other one for who knows when. So... If they make a second movie, is that going to be it? Is that going to be able to wrap up the books? Or because you said no. there's three books, but no, I, not I read three piece. books. There's like 15 books. Jesus, this is yeah. a major franchise. It is a huge franchise, man. It's like it's like Stephen King's uh, multiverse, uh, just because all his books tie out together. Um, I'm too scary. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I stay away from that man. Um, yeah, no, I feel like, um, if I were to bet, I'd, I'd probably think that they're going to make maybe another three or so movies to kind of <laughs> complete Paul's story. No, this it. is like, this is like saying they, they're making five different Avatar movies. Like, no, we got the one on Pandora and that's it. Mm, well, the, the second one was shot already. <laughs> It's just who knows when James Cameron's going to get around to finally releasing that thing. Yeah, that's not happening in our lifetime. Right? It's anyway. like it's like a comet that comes back to Earth every like 70 years. And yet Disney's still making rides for Avatar at Disney Parks. <laughs> True. But with Paul, okay, back to this movie. <laughs> with Paul, like the acid trip in the desert was just so weird. Like why is his mom so un like un unwell equipped to teach her son if she's like part of this witch cult? Because she wasn't ready to teach her son about it. Her daughter, she would, but his son, her son, she cannot. What's the difference? One of the books, if I recall correctly, in the lore, it was like um, I think it's mostly like uh, it's passed down. It's like a feminine trait, um, the ability, anyway. All right. So and then she, she decides to teach him um and he doesn't ever quite master it at least in the first book. So um, why is he the one then? And how do the people 
Like the the slave people of this desert planet know that he's the Messiah. So they they don't. Here, so here's the thing about um, and not to kind of spoil spoil I guess future stories. Spoil here, it. Who cares? It's not going to come out for like seven years. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they really should have shot this back to back. I don't they understand should've. why they didn't. Anyway, yeah. So so the whole story of Dune. Um, that I know <laughs> again, that could change like in book, whatever, like after book three. Right. But, um, four, the whole five. premise of Dune is the, the writer, his warning is to not trust messiah figures. Um, so everybody in the story kind of looks to Paul as being the one to fulfill this like prophecy. Right. And he kind of buys into it himself at some point during the story. But, the message of the story isn't that they're right that he's the chosen one he it's it's that they're not they're wrong he's not anybody any special right uh but the whole story of dune is the warning that you shouldn't believe in people like that um you shouldn't basically hold people up to a high pedestal because they're not like people are flawed they're going to fail you so that that's what i meant when i said it, it like dune is a cynical version of star wars uh, because in, in in Star Wars, you do get the concept of the Chosen One, and like you know, Luke becomes the guy that blows up the Death Star and that you know is able to discover the Force and has all these like adventures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what Dune is. Dune is about how power can corrupt somebody and how the belief in the wrong people can overturn an entire culture. Um, that's what it is. Like it's not it's not meant to be. And, and that's why I think that it's a disservice that this movie's kind of incomplete because the whole book one is about building this character up to make him believe he's the chosen one. Well, it seems like he was there. Yeah. <laughs> but by the end of book one, you do start to realize, and and I think Paul even realizes that he's definitely not this messiah figure. But even conscious of that, he still continues to kind of play that role. Uh, which is why, to me, Dune is such an interesting story. Uh, but again, not done any good well by, you know, kind of cutting the story in half almost. I mean, you're selling me on it. You're making me more interested in it. <laughs> it's it's a good story. It's and and I think, like I said, this movie does a good job of, of of starting to set things up. It's just that because it's not able to capitalize on the momentum that it built up to. That's what I think it is. This whole movie builds your momentum, but never actually lets it flow, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. I hope part two comes out sooner than later. And I hope it's treated with this much um, detail and, and finesse, right? Because I do think it's a story worth telling. Yeah, I could definitely see getting into this. And I think execution-wise, it's fine. Like, this is... They have a good cast. Uh like we said before, like the actual scenes and the sets and all that are really well done. It's just they need to get their timing down better because I don't know how we wasted so much time that it took two and a half hours to get to this point. It feels like it was somewhere, you know, on landing. Like it didn't seem like it took that long to get to um, Arrakis, but then. By the time I looked at that, I was like, whoa, we're like two hours in. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oddly paced because the things that you think they'll they'll spend a little bit more time on are almost 
quickly flashed out. And the stuff that you think isn't going to take all that long be- becomes the thing that they stand by for longer periods of time. So, yeah, I hope they do um, figure that out for the second one. And like you said, I want them to come up with that sooner than later. Because if they don't, it's definitely going to lose fan interest and momentum. Because if too much time passes, then it just becomes like Maze Runner, where nobody cares about the the finale if it took like four or five years to come out with it. Yeah. And th- that that's where I feel like maybe this um, story would have done would have been done a great service if it was like an HBO Max limited series versus being a movie. Oh, for sure. If this was like a 10 part series, I'd be all into that because I saw a lot of people complaining of like, oh, this is like another white savior kind of story. And I'm like, yeah, that that's the point of the story. It's to criticize. <laughs> it was written in the 70s. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was also a criticism of that um, of that kind of story. But because you don't get the full story here, you kind of miss the point. You know, <laughs> we end the movie off right when you're you really just kind of set up your base for what's about to happen. Um, yeah, I think my interest was like at its peak when he met Zendaya. And I was like, all right, now we're about to like get into this plot, get into the story, because this is where the visions start coming true. And he has like he saw parts of the picture, but he couldn't see the whole thing. So now we're going to start seeing more. And then they just like roll credits and it's we just took two and a half hours to get to the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's everybody's kind of main complaint about this. It's like I I don't think the cliffhanger was so much of an of an issue, but more so like where you decided to end things out. No, yeah, you have to do a cliffhanger. Otherwise, you're not going to, you know, pull people in. But. Couldn't you do a cliffhanger in like 20 more minutes? You really could have. Also, was like that guy surfing on the sand at the end? It definitely looked like it. What the like, I, like, I was like, wait, are we about to get into Avatar, Airbender, not Pandora? <laughs> not quite. Because he was like sand power. I don't know what that was about, but Oscar Isaac knew. He paid, he paid the price for it. All I know is that Atreides' last name is actually kind of cool sounding. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually like the coolest name in this. Except House for Atreides. Duncan Idaho. <laughs> Ultimate badass name. Yeah. I, I, I think um, they did a lot more with his character than, than I was expecting to. Is he not big in the books? So he plays a, a very minor role. Um, so I, I just... I. He definitely seems to have more screen time than they did have page time, I guess. Um, but I guess because it's Jason Momoa, they're like, oh, we definitely have to get our get our money's worth. Yeah, yeah. like spice up the role a little bit. But him without a beard looks so off. Yeah, non-Aquaman-ish. Yeah. And, and people are going to compare, obviously, like Star Wars and because of the Tatooine association here, right? But I thought the creatures are well done. The, the little... Um, the worms they kind of remind me of like uh or or they kind of <laughs> that's when rubber position yeah um why did it stop and stare at the kid because he's the chosen one well then don't tell me he's not the chosen one because it re- like the animals know <laughs> this guy's Ew. not all he's noah 
<laughs> You've been watching a little too many Disney movies. You're like, the animals have to know. Sorry, no. I have my tinfoil hat on. You said, take those off? Okay. <laughs> Well, he. I feel like um, it's 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 all for the same thing. Like you're you're supposed to build up this belief that he is, you know, something special. Um, and the twist at the end of the story is basically like, oh, we lied. He's not. Mm. So then, who is? Especially when you get to Baron, Children of it? Dune. No, no, nobody's the chosen one in this world. It's all like a bunch of people that are trying to do good, but some is of them it are. Ray, Ray Skywalker. Yes, how'd you know? <laughs> Ray who? <laughs> uh what other creatures the little bunny rabbit you loved of course the sand true that was my favorite creature he should make a cameo in the mandalorian uh the planes were cool too though the like little dragonfly birds i love how whenever we we get into like sci-fi stories nowadays like with anything modernized like we've abandoned that trope from the 80s and the 90s you know what i mean like in the 80s and the 90s whenever you would see a sci-fi movie it would always be like an f12 raptor plane but like modernized to like be more futuristic Mm -hmm. and now it's like we've gone to the opposite route it looks like creatures or everyday objects that are turned into these like that's because we want to emulate nature and Dragonflies survive in the desert, right? <laughs> no, sir, they don't. All right, we'll build a ship like it. I don't care. <laughs> well, think of a creature that does survive and looks like it. You're so right, though. We did go from a very, like, uh, futuristic, man-made-looking aircraft to build everything look to look like animals because they thrive. I, for one, embrace our future as animal tech combination mechas. meccas yeah i agree any last thoughts on uh on the movie no i think we should stop this podcast just as abruptly as the movie ended (laughs) so we'll bring in zendaya we got a hot guest for the for this episode she'll say one line and then uh, we'll be out of (laughs) here yeah (laughs) no i also I, i i think we've said it all um like I said before, for me, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it until the second one's ready to come out. And I just want to like prep for that one. So I don't know if this lives up to a standard that I have with most movies. Like, is it rewatchable? Do I like desire to rewatch it and like try and spot new things? But um, you did sell me on some of the like plot ideas of this movie and, and why this franchise should work. So maybe I can be excited for the for the second one. Yeah, th- I, th- I think there's a lot more to come, and it definitely. I think w- when we're done with movie two, we'll pro- we'll get more Dune fans than there are right now. I feel like right now there's half an audience that really really enjoys this movie, and then another half that wants to enjoy it but feels a little lost. But it it can't be like five years down the road for that to happen. It has to be like two years at most. Well, it has like, to... I have some hope that they already renewed it. Right. So they can get filming and then editing, hopefully pretty quick. Yeah, I think they realize that too. Like they have to kind of strike while the iron is hot, so to speak. Yeah, you and cannot lose to... the interest in it. Yeah, you can't pull a um, James Cameron with uh, Avatar two on this. Although I feel like the longer he w- there's like a this weird fine line that like if you continue to keep waiting, 
then it becomes like nostalgic and more people will want to go see it. So there's like that middle ground where it's like it's too long for it to stay fresh in the mind, but it hasn't become long enough where it's like, oh, yeah, this is coming out. Like it's been years in the making. We'll see what happens when Avatar 2 comes out, man. Because like if you were 10 years old when Avatar, when you saw Avatar for the first time, you're in your 20s now. Nice math. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure, right? Like, or am I, am I not, do, do I have that completely wrong? I don't remember when it came out. I'm pretty sure it was like 20. That was 10 years ago. December 18, 2009. Oh my God. That was 12 years ago. Yeah. So see, if you were 10 years old at the time, how old would you be now? Twenty In your early 20s. Wow, I did the math. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, I think we end it. <laughs> on that depressing note. Yep, so of, of course, and I'm sure there is stuff we have missed on this one for sure. Uh, so if, you, if there's something blatant and obvious that we missed while reviewing Dune, feel free to reach out to us. On Twitter at BT4th Wall, 4 being 4th. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.